Section 45 of Principles of Geology. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Principles of Geology by Charles Lyell. Chapter 19, Part 3. Norfolk the decay of the cliffs of norfolk and suffolk is incessant at hunstaten on the north the undermining of the lower arenaceous beds at the foot of the cliff causes masses of red and white chalk to be precipitated from above between hunstaten and weybourne low hills or dunes of blown sand are formed along the shore from fifty to sixty feet high they are composed of dry sand bound in a compact mass by the long creeping roots of the plant called marum arundo arania such is the present set of the tides that the harbors of clay wells and other places are securely defended by these barriers affording a clear proof that it is not the strength of the material at particular points that determines whether the sea shall be progressive or stationary but the general contour of the coast the waves constantly undermine the low chalk cliffs covered with sand and clay between weybourne and sheringham a certain portion of them being annually removed at the latter town i ascertained in eighteen twenty nine some facts which throw light on the rate at which the sea gains upon the land it was computed when the present inn was built in eighteen o five that it would require seventy years for the sea to reach the spot the mean loss of land being calculated from previous observations to be somewhat less than one yard annually the distance between the house and the sea was fifty yards but no allowance was made for the slope of the ground being from the sea in consequence of which the waste was naturally accelerated every year as the cliff grew lower there being at each succeeding period less matter to remove when portions of equal area fell down between the years eighteen twenty four and eighteen twenty nine no less than seventeen yards were swept away and only a small garden was then left between the building and the sea there was in eighteen twenty nine a depth of twenty feet sufficient to float a frigate at one point in the harbour of that port where only forty-eight years before there stood a cliff fifty feet high and houses upon it if once in half a century an equal amount of change were produced suddenly by the momentary shock of an earthquake history would be filled with records of such wonderful revolutions of the earth's surface but if the conversion of high land into deep sea be gradual it excites only local attention the flagstaff of the preventive service station on the south side of this harbour was thrice removed inland between the years eighteen fourteen and eighteen twenty nine in consequence of the advance of the sea 
farther to the south we find cliffs composed like those of holderness before mentioned of alternating strata of blue clay gravel loam and fine sand although they sometimes exceed three hundred feet in height the havoc made on the coast is most formidable the whole site of ancient cromer now forms part of the german ocean the inhabitants having gradually retreated inland to their present situation from whence the sea still threatens to dislodge them in the winter of eighteen twenty five a fallen mass was precipitated from near the lighthouse which covered twelve acres extending far into the sea the cliffs being two hundred fifty feet in height the undermining by springs has sometimes caused large portions of the upper part of the cliffs with houses still standing upon them to give way so that it is impossible by erecting breakwaters at the base of the cliffs permanently to ward off the danger on the same coast says mr r c taylor the ancient villages of shipton wimpwell and eccles have disappeared several manors and large portions of neighbouring parishes having piece after piece been swallowed up nor has there been any intermission from time immemorial in the ravages of the sea along a line of coast twenty miles in length in which these places stood of eccles however a monument still remains in the reigned tower of the old church which is half buried in the dunes of sand within a few paces sixty of the sea beach so early as sixteen o five the inhabitants petitioned james i for a reduction of taxes as three hundred acres of land and all their houses save fourteen had then been destroyed by the sea not one half that number of acres now remains in the parish and hills of blown sand now occupy the site of the houses which were still extant in sixteen o five when i visited the spot in eighteen thirty nine the sea was fast encroaching on the sand-hills and had laid open on the beach the foundations of a house fourteen yards square the upper part of which had evidently been pulled down before it had been buried under sand the body of the church has also been long buried but the tower still remains visible m e de beaumont has suggested that sand-dunes in holland and other countries may serve as natural chronometers by which the date of the existing continents may be ascertained the sands he says are continually blown inland by the force of the winds and by observing the rate of their march we may calculate the period when the movement commenced but the example just given will satisfy every geologist that we cannot ascertain the starting point of dunes all coasts being liable to waste and the shores of the low countries in particular being not only exposed to inroads of the sea but as monsieur de beaumont himself has well shown having even in historical times undergone a change of level the dunes may indeed in some cases be made use of as chronometers 
to enable us to assign a minimum of antiquity to existing coastlines but this test must be applied with great caution so variable is the rate at which the sands may advance into the interior hills of blown sand between eccles and winterton have barred up and excluded the tide for many hundred years from the mouths of several small estuaries but there are records of nine breaches from twenty to one hundred twenty yards wide having been made through these by which immense damage was done to the low grounds in the interior a few miles south of Happisburg also are hills of blown sand which extend to yarmouth these dunes afford a temporary protection to the coast and an inland cliff about a mile long at winterton shows clearly that at that point the sea must have penetrated formerly farther than at present silting up of estuaries at yarmouth the sea has not advanced upon the sands in the slightest degree since the reign of elizabeth in the time of the saxons a great estuary extended as far as norwich which city is represented even in the thirteenth and fourteenth centuries as situated on the banks of an arm of the sea the sands whereon yarmouth is built first became firm and habitable ground about the year one thousand eight from which time a line of dunes has gradually increased in height and breadth stretching across the whole entrance of the ancient estuary and obstructing the ingress of the tides so completely that they are only admitted by the narrow passage which the river keeps open and which has gradually shifted several miles to the south the ordinary tides at the river's mouth rise at present only to the height of three or four feet the spring tides to about eight or nine by the exclusion of the sea thousands of acres in the interior have become cultivated lands and exclusive of smaller pools upwards of sixty fresh-water lakes have been formed varying in depth from fifteen to thirty feet and in extent from one acre to twelve hundred the yar and other rivers frequently communicate with these sheets of water and thus they are liable to be filled up gradually with lacustrine and fluviatile deposits and to be converted into land covered with forests yet it must not be imagined that the acquisition of new land fit for cultivation in norfolk and suffolk indicates any permanent growth of the eastern limits of our island to compensate its reiterated losses no delta can form on such a shore immediately off yarmouth and parallel to the shore is a great range of sand-banks the shape of which varies slowly from year to year and often suddenly after great storms captain hewitt r n found in these banks in eighteen thirty six a broad channel sixty-five feet deep where there was only a depth of four feet during a prior survey in eighteen twenty two the sea had evacuated to the depth of sixty feet in the course of fourteen years or perhaps a shorter period the new channel thus formed 
serves at present eighteen thirty eight for the entrance of ships into yarmouth roads and the magnitude of this change shows how easily a new set of the waves and currents might endanger the submergence of the land gained within the ancient estuary of the yar that great banks should be thrown across the mouths of estuaries on our eastern coast where there is not a large body of river water to maintain an open channel is perfectly intelligible when we bear in mind that the marine current sweeping along the coast is charged with the materials of wasting cliffs and ready to form a bar anywhere the instant its course is interrupted or checked by any opposing stream the mouth of the yar has been within the last five centuries diverted about four miles to the south in like manner it is evident that at some remote period the river ald entered the sea at aldborough until its ancient outlet was barred up and at length transferred to a point no less than ten miles distant to the southwest in this case ridges of sand and shingle like those of lowstoff ness which will be described by and by have been thrown up between the river and the sea and an ancient sea-cliff is to be seen now inland it may be asked why the rivers on our east coast are always deflected southwards although the tidal current flows alternately from the south and north the cause is to be found in the superior force of what is commonly called the flood-tide from the north a tidal wave derived from the atlantic a small part of which passes eastward up the english channel and through the straits of dover and then northwards while the principal body of water moving much more rapidly in a more open sea on the western side of britain first passes the orkneys and then turning flows down between norway and scotland and sweeps with great velocity along our eastern coast it is well known that the highest tides on this coast are occasioned by a powerful northwest wind which raises the eastern part of the atlantic and causes it to pour a greater volume of water into the german ocean this circumstance of a violent off-shore wind being attended with a rise of the waters instead of a general retreat of the sea naturally excites the wonder of the inhabitants of our coast in many districts they look with confidence for a rich harvest of that valuable manure the seaweed when the northwesterly gales prevail and are rarely disappointed coast of suffolk the cliffs of suffolk to which we next proceed are somewhat less elevated than those of norfolk but composed of similar alternations of clay sand and gravel from gorleston in suffolk to within a few miles north of lowstoff the cliffs are slowly undermined near the last mentioned town there is an island cliff about sixty feet high the sloping talus of which is covered with turf and heath between the cliff and the sea is a low flat tract of sand called the ness nearly three miles long and for the most part out of reach of the highest tides 
the point of the ness projects from the base of the original cliff to the distance of six hundred sixty yards this accession of land says mr taylor has been effected at distinct and distant intervals by the influence of currents running between the land and a shoal about a mile off lowstoff called the holm sand the lines of growth in the ness are indicated by a series of concentric ridges or embankments enclosing limited areas and several of these ridges have been formed within the observation of persons now living a rampart of heavy materials is first thrown up to an unusual altitude by some extraordinary tide attended with a violent gale subsequent tides extend the base of this high bank of shingle and the interstices are then filled with sand blown from the beach the arundo and other marine plants by degrees obtain a footing and creeping along the ridge give solidity to the mass and form in some cases a matted covering of turf meanwhile another mound is forming externally which by the like process rises and gives protection to the first if the sea forces its way through one of the external and incomplete mounds the breach is soon repaired after a while the marine plants within the areas enclosed by these embankments are succeeded by a better species of herbage affording good pasturage and the sands become sufficiently firm to support buildings destruction of dunwich by the sea of the gradual destruction of dunwich once the most considerable seaport on this coast we have many authentic records gardner in his history of that borough published in seventeen fifty four shows by reference to documents beginning with doomsday book that the cliffs at dunwich southwald eastern and pakefield have been always subject to wear away at dunwich in particular two tracts of land which had been taxed in the eleventh century in the time of king edward the confessor are mentioned in the conqueror's survey made but a few years afterwards as having been devoured by the sea the losses at a subsequent period of a monastery at another of several churches afterwards of the old port then of four hundred houses at once of the church at st leonard the high road town hall jail and many other buildings are mentioned with the dates when they perished it is stated that in the sixteenth century not one quarter of the town was left standing yet the inhabitants retreating inland the name was preserved as has been the case with many other ports when their ancient site has been blotted out there is however a church of considerable antiquity still standing the last of twelve mentioned in some records in seventeen forty the laying open of the churchyard of st nicholas and st francis in the sea cliffs is well described by gardiner with the coffins and skeletons exposed to view some lying on the beach and rocked in cradle of the rude imperious surge of these cemeteries no remains can now be seen ray also says that ancient writings make mention of a wood a mile and a half 
to the east of dunwich the site of which must at present be so far within the sea this city once so flourishing and populous is now a small village with about twenty houses and one hundred inhabitants there is an old tradition that the tailors sat in their shops at dunwich and saw the ships in yarmouth bay but when we consider how far the coast at lowstoff ness projects between these places we cannot give credit to the tale which nevertheless proves how much the inroads of the sea in times of old had prompted men of lively imagination to indulge their taste for the marvellous gardner's description of the cemeteries laid open by the waves reminds us of the scene which has been so well depicted by bewick and of which numerous points on the same coast might have suggested the idea on the verge of a cliff which the sea has undermined are represented the unshaken tower and western end of an abbey the eastern isle is gone and the pillars of the cloister are soon to follow the waves have almost isolated the promontory and invaded the cemetery where they have made sport with the mortal relics and thrown up a skull upon the beach in the foreground is seen a broken tombstone erected as its legend tells to perpetuate the memory of one whose name is obliterated as is that of the county for which he was custos rotolorum a cormorant is perched on the monument defiling it as if to remind some moralizer like hamlet of the base uses to which things sacred may be turned had this excellent artist desired to satirize certain popular theories of geology he might have inscribed the stone to the memory of some philosopher who taught the permanency of existing continents the era of repose the impotence of modern causes the incursions of the sea at aldborough were formerly very destructive and this borough is known to have been once situated a quarter of a mile east of the present shore the inhabitants continued to build farther inland till they arrived at the extremity of their property and then the town decayed greatly but two sandbanks thrown up at a short distance now afford a temporary safeguard to the coast between these banks and the present shore where the current now flows the sea is twenty-four feet deep on the spot where the town formerly stood essex harwich is said to have owed its rise to the destruction of orwell a town which stood on the spot now called the west rocks and was overwhelmed by an inroad of the sea since the conquest apprehensions have been entertained that the isthmus on which harwich stands may at no remote period become an island for the sea may be expected to make a breach near lower dover court where beacon cliff is composed of horizontal beds of london clay containing septaria it had wasted away considerably between the years eighteen twenty nine and eighteen thirty eight at both which periods i examined this coast in that short interval several gardens and many houses had been swept 
into the sea and in april eighteen thirty eight a whole street was threatened with destruction the advance of the sea is much accelerated by the traffic carried on in septaria which are shipped off for cement as fast as they fall down upon the beach these stones if allowed to remain in heaps on the shore would break the force of the waves and retard the conversion of the peninsula into an island an event which might be followed by the destruction of the town of harwich captain washington r n ascertained in eighteen forty seven that beacon cliff above mentioned which is about fifty feet high had given way at the rate of forty feet in forty-seven years between seventeen o nine and seventeen fifty six eighty feet between seventeen fifty six and eighteen o four and three hundred and fifty feet between the latter period and eighteen forty one showing a rapidly accelerated rate of destruction among other losses it is recorded that since the year eighteen o seven a field called the vicar's field which belonged to the living of harwich has been overwhelmed and in the year eighteen twenty there was a considerable space between the battery at harwich built in the beginning of the present century and the sea part of the fortification had been swept away in eighteen twenty nine and the rest then overhung the water at walton nays in the same county the cliffs composed of london clay capped by the shelly sands of the crag reached the height of about one hundred feet and are annually undermined by the waves the old churchyard of walton has been washed away and the cliffs to the south are constantly disappearing kent isle of sheppey on the coast bounding the estuary of the thames there are numerous examples both of the gain and loss of land the isle of sheppey which is now about six miles long by four in breadth is composed of london clay the cliffs on the north which are from sixty to eighty feet high decay rapidly fifty acres having been lost in twenty years between eighteen ten and eighteen thirty the church at minster now near the coast is said to have been in the middle of the island in seventeen eighty and if the present rate of destruction should continue we might calculate the period and that not a very remote one when the whole island will be annihilated on the coast of the mainland to the east of sheppey is hearn bay a place still retaining the name of a bay although it is no longer appropriate as the waves and currents have swept away the ancient headlands there was formerly a small promontory in the line of the shoals where the present pier is built by which the larger bay was divided into two called the upper and lower still further east stands the church of reckelver upon a cliff composed of clay and sand about twenty-five feet high reckelver regulvium was an important military station in the time of the romans and appears from leland's account to have been so late as henry the eighth's reign nearly one mile distant from the sea in the gentleman's magazine 
there is a view of it taken in seventeen eighty one which still represents a considerable space as intervening between the north wall of the churchyard and the cliff some time before the year seventeen eighty the waves had reached the site of the ancient roman camp or fortification the walls of which had continued for several years after they were undermined to overhang the sea being firmly cemented into one mass they were eighty yards nearer the sea than the church and they are spoken of in the topographica britannica in the year seventeen eighty as having recently fallen down in eighteen o four part of the churchyard with some adjoining houses was washed away and the ancient church with its two spires was dismantled and abandoned as a place of worship but kept in repair as a landmark well known to mariners i visited the spot in june eighteen fifty one and saw human bones and part of a wooden coffin projecting from the cliff near the top the whole building would probably have been swept away long ere this had not the force of the waves been checked by an artificial causeway of stones and large wooden piles driven into the sands on the beach to break the force of the waves End of chapter nineteen part three